0: Welcome to the Inkfeather podcast. We bring you fun new glimpses into the world of fantasy and science fiction publishing. Here you'll find interviews with the authors you love, insight from industry professionals, book reviews both succinct and extensive, and more. I'm your host and the founder of Inkfeather Book Reviews, Lauren Zurchin. In episode eight, I chat with author Susan Dennard about her newest book, Sightwitch. Sight Witch. Susan is the author of the Something Strange and Deadly series and the New York Times bestselling Witchland series, Sightwitch hit stores on February 13th, 2018. And be sure to stay tuned to the end. We have joined with her publisher, Tortine for an amazing giveaway. Hi, Susan. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. We've talked off and on over the years about trying to connect, and we finally managed to lock something down to talk about Sightwitch, your new book, which just came out a few weeks ago. Guys, we're really lucky. She's literally in between touring and traveling and going to cons and under deadlines, so we were able to <laughs> squeeze her in for like an hour this afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so I'm excited. I'm glad we could make it work. So we might talk spoilers. If you're not super familiar with the world, you may want to read and then come back. I don't think we'll go super deep on stuff. But if you are completely unfamiliar, like I said, you may want to wait just for those of you listening here. But, Susan, on your end, for those who might not be familiar with The Witchlands, what is a good summary? Like, why should people pick this book up if they're kind of fantasy fans? What about it is interesting?
1: I mean, if you're a fantasy fan and you've read fantasy, I definitely think it's the perfect read for you. Seriously, though, I grew up reading adult fantasy because, of course, when I was young, there was no such thing as young adult. It was like you went straight from A Wrinkle in Time to, you know, Anne McCaffrey and Robert Jordan, and there was no in-between. Unfortunately, a lot of that content went right over my head. Mm. But, but I, yeah, I just I lived on a diet of, of adult fantasy, and so when it came time to write books, that was obviously what I was going to write, and I feel like Truth, which incorporates so much of what I love, but also takes a lot of those tropes and spins them on their heads, or at least that's certainly what I try to do.
0: And you did it very well. Thank you. Those who've listened to this in the past, I've talked about this before. My absolute favorite kind of magic systems are elemental magic. So it's wonderful when people can. Kind of presented in a way that feels fresh and new, Thanks. and it's really cool to kind of see how you developed that throughout the series and the different glimpses we get into the various witches, the talents of the of the people. But hopefully, those listening have are familiar with your series because I really want to talk about Sight Witch, your newest book. <laughs> you posted recently a YouTube video about this book that you, yes. for based on a talk you had done for Right On Con. You titled it "Why Failure Isn't the End," and so isn't. I would be really curious to hear for our listeners just your journey of creating Sightwitch and why it was so tumultuous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh,
1: tumultuous is a good word for it. That's a very good word because <laughs> there was a positive ending, right? Yeah, it's, the it book's bit. great. It's amazing. I reached the end somehow. Yeah, so Sightwitch was one of those books that. I thought would never be. So I first started writing it 4 years ago, almost exactly 4 years ago, thinking I would self-publish it. At that point, my career was kind of on the down and down, and my first series had not performed to expectations like at all. So I was really desperate for some kind of, you know, fix, a super band-aid for my career. I was at a crossroads where either I could continue on as Susan Dinner and watch my career implode, or I could change my name, which is pretty common in the industry. If you yeah. have a bad series, bad sales, it's pretty common to to change your name, try to start again as a debut, because unfortunately, writing or publishing, it's like the opposite of a credit score in that bad sales hurt you more than no sales. So, So you had this story in
0: mind that you were hoping was going to propel your yourself forward yeah. again.
1: I wanted to write this prequel, right? And I thought, you know, because you see this a lot in the adult romance world and self-published world, you write a prequel, you offer it for free on Amazon and or a really low price point, And then you hope that people enjoy it enough to actually then buy the books of the series. So that was basically my plan. I was going to write this it would people would be so enthralled by the witchlands that they would be desperate to read truth when it finally came out and so yeah that was the plan but then when i actually sat down to write the book did not work out so well the story that i thought i wanted to tell just wasn't there or it just didn't feel right i was really stuck on it being a romance because that sold so well Because romance, it sells very well in in self-pub. And so that was my hope. Like I could just write this romance and people would be into it and they would set up the witchlands and it would be great. And so I did all this research on self-publishing and I tried to write the book. Didn't work Hmm. at all. And I went through draft after draft after draft. And I, for better or worse, probably for worse, if you ask my publisher, (laughs) I can't just put out there – anything so even though it may be a cohesive story if it's not the right story that feels like the story that's supposed to go out there in my gut then it's then I can't do it I just can't
0: I mean isn't so. that being true to yourself as an artist though I mean you know I'm a full-time photographer and I'm kind of the same way I notice that I do a photo shoot for fun. I take 150, 200 photos, and a lot of them are pretty good, but there's only a few that are really – that captured yeah. the energy. And so, like, I could post more, but it's not quite the same. It's not where you – what you envisioned. It's not the energy or the direction or exactly. what you had for your art. So, I mean, that makes sense to me, but you're right. On a business end, they're probably like, well, uh. so – you know, it's been hopefully worth it for you to be able to rewrite it and give readers the story that you really wanted to tell.
1: Yeah, I mean, I certainly think so. And I'm glad I did it because this is a big series. There's more books still to come. And if I had just written and stuck with the first few drafts and that direction of the story, I would now be in a place where I really didn't like where the rest of the series was going. It would have set it off on the wrong trajectory. So, I spent like eight months, I think, trying to write Sightwitch and finally couldn't. I was out of time. I had to start writing the sequel to Truthwitch. So I set it aside. And of course, to make, you know, to just to pour salt into the wound, I had been offering a free writing course the whole time I was doing this. Oh my
0: this. god, this killed me when you told me this. Or, or not oh, yeah. me, but like the video. I was On just... the video, Oh yeah. no.
1: I mean, I'm very transparent for anyone who follows me online, writing advice is literally what saved my career and I've been doing it for a long time and I'm very transparent about the ups and the downs and the really crappy feelings that come along with being a writer. And so one of the things I wanted to do was like show people a first draft as I wrote it. And did not realize, of course, that this first draft would never really come to fruition and it would be such an agony. And so it was like this mortifying experience of having to share all of these discarded drafts and for like 123 people who signed up for it. And so, yeah, it was more, it was really hard. It was so embarrassing. And I think it it just added to the stress and pressure of the whole situation. Like in hindsight, that was not a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) I should decide to do that after the book is finished. Then I can show everything and what I did. (laughs) You got there. Yeah. While doing it because while doing it, it added this element of like performance. So Yeah, that just psyched me out all the more, and I gave up. I threw the files away. I stuck all the notebooks I had filled, like, I can literally see the hidden shadowy corner that I stuffed them behind all their things in my office, and I was like, I will never look at this again. This is just too fraught with too much pain. Now to turn to Wind Witch, which, of course, then Wind Witch kicked my butt, and I spent two freaking years trying to get that story to work. I'll tell
0: you what, though, I reread that yesterday, and it is so I did it on audio and it is just it is so good it is so complex and it moves really fast even though there's a lot of moments where the characters it's very heavy on character development and it's just it's just awesome like I, I loved it Thank like I so I loved it so much and I'm again knowing what you said in this interview and and knowing that it even after you turned it in it still wasn't the story you wanted to tell and
1: you had to rewrite it yeah completely. oh yeah much to my published or my editor's dismay when I turned oh, it in two weeks later I was like JK LOL I'm starting <laughs> over and oh, I mean no. I bless her because I know in-house she was probably getting so much pressure and I threw her under the bus on that but I just I had to stick to my guns on the story and I'm so glad I did because now like you said, I mean you and other readers have really ended up loving the book which made it so yeah. worth it.
0: I really liked truth, Truthwitch, but I really liked Windwitch. Thank you. Windwitch to me was it's I mean there's so many elements of it that were enjoyable and the vibe of that carries into Sightwitch too. Like you obviously in all three books you've done um multiple points of view but just the way you bounce between character points of view and you stop at good tension points and you provide interesting things to keep the story moving forward, it it, it works really well the way you, you, you break things up. So, I don't know. I guess I wanted you to talk about this because so many people are not just writers but even just creative people in general. It's it's. I think it's good to hear professionals talking about
1: suckage, the yeah. ultimate
0: suckage. Yeah, I mean – I think it's I, true, though. <laughs> I, I remember talking about or hearing an interview. I think it was with Eddie Redmayne and Andrew Kendrick, and they were talking about. He was talking about how he did this interview for The Hobbit, and he was like this horrible Bilbo Baggins, and they were like, "No, no, no!" And this is, you know, the <laughs> Oscar winner Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. And Anna said, "She's like, I, I really am glad you told that story because it, it just shows that you know." You, 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 sometimes we suck, you know, and this is just what art is. So, yeah. So that's why I wanted to kind of go into that first before we dig into the story, because your happy ending at the end of this, of your video. And what you talked about was that when you finally did sit down to write this book again, it just flowed and it yeah. was oh, easy to write, to write and beautiful
1: about it. And
0: so, so I actually want
1: to talk about it.
0: Yes. I am a voracious audiobook person, but I knew I had to physically read this book because, yeah. for those of you who are listening and maybe haven't picked it up yet, it is journal entries, it is sketches, it is excerpts from different manuals and books. It is really cool. And I'm actually, I'm like 15 pages from the end. I expected to have it done. <laughs> and I even pushed my interview with Seuss today because I was like, oh, I want to get this done. And I, I think I just got so immersed in all the maps and stuff. And like, I kept flipping back and it was so cool. I, I'm really curious, how was your writing experience in regards to the difference between writing just multiple points of view and actually creating almost more of a multimedia project? In yeah,
1: a sense? that's a good question. So it was definitely a surprise when it, that it came out in this format, because obviously the first, the rest of the series is, more standard third yeah. person, limited point of view. And I had assumed that this would be certainly that's what it was when I tried to write it four years ago. But yeah, when I sat down last winter because my editor was kind of nudging me, like, could you please do this? We would love you if you would do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll give it a try, but I am kind of a broken writer right now. No promises. <laughs> I mean my confidence was, was yeah. shot after Sight Witch and then Windwitch had just been so hard and, you know, I had failed and sucked so badly. So, um,
0: I could just see you like facing off against your nemesis. Like there's this, you're just looking at the stack in the corner going, Oh God, oh, I, and you I, you know,
1: I didn't, I did not, I started anew cause I just still, I can't even look at it. It, it hurts in my chest, you know, it's yeah. this shame and this regret of all the time and effort I put into it for nothing. And it's just, it's painful, but mm. I started anew and I don't know, I just, I was like, let's just, for sh- you know, for shits and giggles, I was like, let's try this as a journal one night as I was falling asleep, and then I was like, I kind of like that, and so it took me a few false starts, which is totally normal for me, I usually have to try a few different entry points before I figure out a story, but after like a week of, you know, sort of dabbling, suddenly I had this opening line, Tansy was summoned today, and the story just kind of went from there, and it was... It was so not what I expected because, one, there's really no romance. There's a little bit of romance. It's
0: really mild. You're but right.
1: It's Yeah, it is not the plot at all. It's, it's,
0: it's a multifaceted <laughs> plot. I mean, obviously the base plot is what happened to her sisters and she has to go help them. But there's so right. much more. You learn the backstory. You learn – you see her and Kellen you know, meeting and yeah. – saving each other and kind of having this journey it's really interesting i guess why i'm i'm thinking about this specifically was i know from other writers i've talked to and just i guess the process in general you guys often write so much backstory and side story that the readers never get to see that you know like you have to explain yeah. the history of a culture so you know what yeah. you're saying or whatever and you really got to present more of that in this book than a lot of yeah. books get to. And I I mean that must be really love.
1: F- fun. Yeah. I'm a I'm a world building geek. I would do it all day if I could. I'm also a really big gamer. And one of the things that I love, especially about really immersive RPGs, is how much you get documents in the world. You mm. know, you'll be playing Skyrim and you can read a book in the world. Dragon Age has its codexes. You yeah. know, you you have all of these in-world documents that help make the world feel bigger than just the story that you're playing. And I love that so much. And so this was kind of my chance to make my own, you know, codex. And and the other cool sort of cheat about it is that unlike in, you know, a normal book with a normal, you know, format and point of view where you have to avoid info dump, I can literally just info dump. I just like Slip in a document from this old lady but, <laughs> about Threads. But it like, enhances so cool. the story, too.
0: There's like doodles and notes to each other on the side where they're like making fun of each other. And, and it really yeah, does. Exactly. It It gives you so many, so much info, too, because it's technically a prequel, but it's the third book in the series that you've written. So it's, it's cool because we can kind of see more insight to things that have been referenced in the other two books as well
1: which I really liked. Yeah, that was one of the things that both surprised me and also worked out is that Sightwitch is the perfect bridge between Windwitch and Bloodwitch. And I didn't know that there's no way like in hindsight, there's no way this book could have come before Truthwitch. While it is set before it, it is not meant to be read before it. I don't think it would have any of the significance that it does have if you haven't read the first two.
0: I would agree with that as a reader, because I saw that it's listed as 0. 0.5 and I was kind of yeah, like
1: I keep trying to get them to change it should be 2.5 Yeah, I, I, agree.
0: <laughs> I agree but it again it's I get their logic obviously because you said it takes like, like a year before the first right. book but yeah it, it's it was really neat to go oh this was you know the the like the lament that is referenced a few yes. times and yes. it's like we are in this woman's head and it's this this character that you know whose lines and whose poem from a thousand years ago is talked about is now we're in her journals It was really cool to get inside her head as a
1: character. Thanks. I loved, she was a surprise character too. And I loved it when she appeared. I was like, oh, I want to tell your story and your little romance. (laughs) It's great though, because it it does set up what's coming in the next book. Hmm. And so that helps a lot. I I realize that not everyone's going to read it because it is a companion. So I'll still have to do some of the legwork in Blood Witch to repeat things, but it is there and- there's lots of little Easter eggs. There's little characters who, if you know who you're looking for, you'll be like, wait, is that who I think it is? Oh, cool. So, yeah. Kind of
0: in a similar vein to what I was just talking about with the writing process in regards to the structure of the book. Ryber, our main character, is it's magic by initiation as opposed to magic by birth so your main protagonist is not magic it's not magic the whole book in general even though the world is magical and magic is all around them she does not have anything to rely on other than her own wits and so what was that like writing in in a person's head that immersed in someone that was totally different
1: ryber was really fun to write because it turns out she's a rule follower and i'm a rule follower (laughs) and so that was something that i could really just channel myself onto the page. I, you know, I, I don't, I won't cross the street unless there's a crosswalk. You know, I'm a real rule follower. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that, especially teens who just really want to prove themselves. And I, I actually worked with a black woman to write her because she is black. And I wanted to make sure that that was authentic. And that was one of the things that, my reader said, was like, as a woman of color, we have to follow the rules and work that much harder. And so that story is really true to my own experience. And so that was something that both surprised me. I mean, original Ryber of four years ago was not that way. And so it was cool to discover that she was that way. And it was also cool to play with that and how the rules can really actually confine you. There's this thing in the book called the nine-star puzzle, and it ends up being very instrumental in her arc, very symbolic of it, and that was something that was really fun to play with. Like, I can use a visual thing Mm -hmm. as her arc in this book, and you can't do that in a normal story. Well, and, and for those
0: listening, it's basically three stars in three, so nine of them, and you have to try to connect them all with four lines without lifting your pencil up, and I'll tell you, both times it appeared, I stopped and tried a couple times. And I was like, oh, wow, well, this will work, but I have to lift my pen up. But can I like backtrack on online or am I not allowed? Like I literally, that's probably why I didn't get the book done because I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> so again, very cool, immersive experience in the story. But yeah, again, I don't know. As, as a reader being in Ryber's head, the voice was, it was really interesting because again, not only with the rules, but the magic comes in her mind from following these rules. And eventually she will be able to have the sight which power hopefully is what her intention is and you know be able to see visions and you know remember perfectly and all of that good stuff that comes with that power but to have been in the head of these amazingly talented magical characters for two books (laughs) who are not only talented but like unusual and rare and to be in that and that's like a talking point to then go to someone who's just a person Doing this her thing.
1: person just really wants magic, and on top of that, she's been told she will be special, and now she's not special. Can you I imagine mean, that pressure? Horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of, and I think a lot of, especially teens, understand what that pressure's like. You know, you, you need to perform, you need to get into a good college, et cetera, et cetera, and to not be able to, it's a horrible feeling. And in hindsight, that's basically what my experience with like, <laughs> which was, perform! Yeah. Most create this special story to bring everyone in. And what happened? I failed. <laughs> so. But again,
0: you even said this too, that was it really a failure when you look back? I mean, I'm sure that felt in it in the moment it was, but you had to let it simmer. And so forcing it was probably the bad decision as opposed to just yes. the feeling of like not bringing it to completion. Cause it really wasn't ready to be birthed into the world yet. You know, like it, it wasn't. wasn't.
1: And as hard as Sightwitch and Windwitch were and they ate up three years of my life with incredible pressure and it's it's always weird because it's just a book, quote unquote. But it's it's my life, right? It's my career. It's my livelihood. It was my future. Yeah. My name. So it was very intense three years and they were hard and at the time I hated them. But in hindsight they taught me so much about my my creativity and how my brain actually operates. So now I know that I need to simmer. Now I know that there ain't no shame in not writing every day. In fact, I am someone who does better not writing every day. I am more productive in the long run if I work in these sort of cycles of writing.
0: And and I mean, obviously, that's part of your process. Like you said, as an artist, that you have to discover and yeah, and yeah. I mean, the gosh, this just reiterates for the millionth time that, you know, you can hear a million stories of how people do it and their structure and their day. And you just have to do what feels good to you. Um, I mean, I yeah. know an author who literally writes all night long. She sleeps during the day and her husband takes care of the kid during the day. And well, then while the babies, yes, yeah, she writes all night. Like that is literally their schedule. And, that's and just, that
1: works for her. It does. It's it's crazy. And that's the thing too, though. I think, I think it's good to explore what other people do, I mean, gosh, I really wish I was a write-everyday kind of person. But when you do kind of finally figure out what you need and also what this book needs, because every project is different, yeah, yeah, it's very liberating. So writing the next book, Bloodwitch, has actually been all things considered a dream.
0: (laughs) So is there anything you can tell us about Bloodwitch or where the characters are going or any little tidbits or anything?
1: Um, Well, we'll definitely see a lot of the setting from Sightwitch again in Blundwich, okay. which is cool, because I, I love that spot. <laughs> it is very important, and I think Sightwitch, what it did for me, too, as a, as the creator of this world, it helped me really get down on paper the broader scope of what's going on. I knew what it was, writing Truthwitch and Windwitch, but now, really, all the clues are there. Some of things are answered, a lot th- a lot of things aren't, but all the clues are there for the reader now, and that helped me really moving forward with Bloodwitch, too. So we see a lot of the, the settings that are in Sightwitch. We learn a bit more about some of the mysteries that have been planted there. And I don't know, I'm really excited about Ageven. He's just... He's awesome. He's such a strange character. He's so
0: great. And he's such he's... a weird dude, but delightful. <laughs> like, I really like him as a character. And He's this super serious, rigid kind of strange yeah he's just
1: weird he's got a weird demeanor about him but yet he's he's what i say about him and assault both because of the nature age when because of the nature of sort of his past and assault because of the nature of her magic they are both people who tell instead of show and so it's very interesting to write them in a way that for those of you who don't know the normal sort of rule is that you show don't tell and with these two I they are so not in touch with their own feelings <laughs> that they have to just tell instead of show and so I have to do this very fun challenging balancing act of telling things to the reader and showing almost something else so that mm. and because especially with truth which not everyone understood that about age one that he says and thinks one thing and does another
0: <laughs> so it's it, he's it, like in co- conflict with himself
1: yeah he's in co- and in, in total denial and it's funny because a lot of people especially young readers will think like well whatever he tells me it is so he's a bad guy and then they i'm like what well, do you not see what oh, he did i love he, him all the choices he made he's nothing was really, very bad <laughs>
0: like you know and you have such a slow burn with him and his old in this or not this book, but in Wind Witch, and you I think it's a scene at the end where they're like surrounded by fire and they're literally just staring at each other for like minutes yeah. and they're just yeah. like they can't neither of them can process that, wow, we're here and we helped each other and I don't know how I feel about that. And they just yeah, it's exactly. like it's so awkward, exactly. it's great. <laughs> but it's like yeah. perfect.
1: They, they are. I'm grinning like a fool because they're really fun to write. I get to really stretch my writing chops with them because it is a delicate balance too with age one, and I'm, it is something that I'm struggling to get right in Bloodwitch. Is how much emotion can he show without losing the mystique that makes him this, you know, nefarious Bloodwitch? So, are we gonna get some sexy time stuff? Sexy, sexiness, <laughs>
0: sexy kissing, sexy. I, I,
1: say anything about that because one I'm not 100% sure yet that's okay to be full sure I'm still drafting about about two-thirds way through but yeah I know that's definitely what people want there's there's another character too who's who's got some romantic things that I'm excited about so yay well
0: in the first book you have I don't want to say nice, it's a hot and sexy kiss on a cliffside, (laughs) surrounded by wind, and it's just like, what? And then, actually, one of my favorite scenes ever in in a YA series is when... Sophie and Merrick Dance, I <laughs> freaking can't stand how good that is because it's like they're just like, well, I'm sassier than you. No, you're not. I'm going to kick your butt. No, I'm going to kick yours. And But we're like <laughs> we like each other, but we don't. And this is hot. But it's I mean, it's so good. Oh, my gosh. But, but it's good. It's got like a slow burn and it feels authentic because. As fun as it is to read, I just met you and I love you and I'm going to make out with you. It's not. This is crazy. Call
1: me, baby. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky because it's a pretty long series and I get to, I get to work with that, right? I, the closest actually to an insta-love that I think I've created was what Eridicey goes through in Sightwitch. And even that, it's like, if you really look at it, it happens
0: over the course of a year. Yeah. And it's like once a month. Yeah, it's
1: like, not really. And also when you're older, because she is like supposed to be probably more like my age or late 20s, which I'm not. But the general is definitely like 30s like me. You know, romance also happens faster when you're older. But as I was saying, I get I get the luxury of multiple books in which to really change dynamics between people. And I can do it in a way that I think feels natural. There isn't really any insta-love. I mean, American and Safi have insta-chemistry. Yeah. They also think the other's dead. So what happens now? Well, oh, I don't know. Before
0: we wrap up, have you read know. anything good lately? Or are you just so immersed in drafting that you well, can't I, even
1: look? I. It's funny because Sightwitch so and Windwitch broke me as reader. I was so burnt out that I couldn't even read, which was quite an identity crisis for me. And it lasted probably, you know three or four years as I on Sight Witch and then even up until recently. And I know that I am fully healed as a writer because I have been able to read again. And it's been so awesome. I I picked up The Cruel Prince by Holly Black in January and I devoured it in like two days. I, I haven't me- read it
0: yet. She's the Night Rider, by the way.
1: Oh, that makes sense, actually, now that you say that. I mean, that. I don't know
0: if that's current. I haven't spoken to her recently. <laughs> but from when I talked to her about it, that was her schedule. And she – they kind of like her and her husband alternated life. and it, But it's what worked for her. And I was like, all right, yeah.
1: cool. You do what you got to do. Yeah, so she – I I started reading, like, all her books. So the last mm. I just read that I loved by her was The Darkest Part of the Forest. Very good. She writes really good romance. You I had have you read Coldest Girl in Cold Town yet? Yes. That one is my favorite. The by kiss. Her the vampire oh, sexy, like, blood kiss. So it. And-, and, like, so she does this, she has this amazing ability oh. to have a twist at the end. And she has it in all the books I've read by her. Like, there's always just this final twist where you're like, what? I didn't see that coming, <laughs> but I should have. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I love that because I definitely try to do that with my own books. So. I, I am worshiping at the altar of Holly Black right now. <laughs> hey, there's, that's a good place to be.
0: It's always good to get recommendations from from authors and just, like, what they're connecting with. So, well, we're going to go. Guys, we'll have some more interviews coming up soon. And thanks again for listening. And uh, this is Lauren signing out. Bye. 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 We've teamed up with Torteen to give away a set of all three of the Witchlands books currently out. Be sure to enter the giveaway on the blog post for this podcast, located on inkfeatherbookreviews.com. I'll also include a link in the podcast info. The giveaway is open until midnight Eastern Standard Time on March 15th and is for North America only.